welcome to Game Dev London, a podcast about games. I am Ziz, and this is... Phoenix Perry! Yeah! Cool. Um, I guess today is my first ever podcast for Game Dev London. I'm very excited. How about you, Phoenix? It'll be really cool. We've been trying to do this way too long, and I had a a host of technical problems last week, so... uh, I'm excited that uh, now everything works, all the microphones are on, the screens are on. I feel really official. It's okay. It's okay. I'm very excited. Um, I'm really excited to hear like to hear more about the stuff that you did, like the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, seeing your work at Welcome. But before we jump into all of that, why don't you kind of give a bit of an introduction? Sure. Hello. I am Phoenix Perry. I teach at UAL where I lead a master's in creative computing that I helped author. Uh, Same with their undergrad program. I also founded an organization called Code Liberation Foundation, which is interested in figuring out and working with ways to empower women to use technology to tell their own story and really empower them to like create objects of play in the world. Beyond that, I also make a ton of art that is big, large, and all about social contact. So right now I'm struggling a little bit. (laughs) I completely hear you. Being like most of the stuff that I've done is like lots of people in one space. Like, hmm, maybe not right. (laughs) Maybe not, not for the moment. Yeah, I mean, even when I ran Bot Party, not COVID, I had like, like handy wipes and hand sanitizer, and like I had to like just constantly clean my interfaces because people would be filthy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, they go outside, they eat a hot dog, they come in and play your video game. You know, that's what happens. <laughs> Sad days, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I kind of. That's so many really cool things, but that's so much to be going on with. How did you find yourself here? Like, what drew you to doing all of it? Um, well, I mean, I guess I'm going to tell you this because I've never really publicly talked about it, but I went to a conference um, and it was one of my very first speaking of it, like engagements ever. Uh, sorry. And I got sexually harassed at the conference oh, no. and it really like you know i'd done a lot at that point like a lot a lot like i owned a gallery in new york we had done wow. tons of stuff like i had written academic papers like you know but i really had been very shy in the community about showing my work and i had kind of only shown it at like weird art openings and stuff um in safe spaces and I I just sort of you know I was like whoa whoa and I sort of stepped back and like it took me about two years to speak again Mm -hmm. and during those years I was teaching at NYU and like NYU is the school I always wanted to go to when I was a kid I was like I want to go here I want to go to NYU this is magic this this looks like a wonderville of playtown sign me up and I couldn't afford it as a kid, so I went to a state school um, mm-hmm. and had to climb my way up. And then I found myself in a position where I had a contract from the school that I'd wanted to go to but hadn't been able to afford. And all of a sudden, I was teaching a bunch of rich kids. And yeah. it just really, not that everyone at NYU is rich. Um, I, I started teaching at the School of Engineering, which is heavily diverse and has about 80%, I think it's like something like 60 or 80% scholarships. So I had a free ride uh, through my NYU program that I got, I got into, but I was also teaching at the same time. And uh, yeah, it was an experience because I was like, wow, I'm trapped behind a $100,000 a year paywall. And especially when I started teaching at ITP and Game Center, I just was very aware of like the economic impact And it was before Gamergate. It was like really early on. It was early days. And I just, there were no women around me. And I had done a lot in my career and gotten pretty far. And a lot of men around me, like Luke Dubois, Frank Lance, they'd all been really supportive and wonderful, right? Like, but 
I had had that experience at the conferences. I'd, I'd started peeping my head out into the conference world. And everyone I went to, like I had one story where a guy told me about his wife that he want and like, and then told me he wanted to have sex with me while choking me. And this was like at a bar. I was like, you're the organizer of this conference. I met you an hour ago. <laughs> um, you know, and I was yeah. just like, wow, this, this industry is effed up because like, it allowed me to escape like growing up as like a lower class kid. But like, I don't think, you know, I thought I was like, man, I'm so lucky to be here. I should do something about the, the privilege I do have and the education I have managed to get to myself. Um, you know, situate myself to like be able to access, particularly when once I got into NYU to do my master's in engineering. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to open source this. I'm going to teach for free because it felt right. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm going to teach women who are like me, who want to learn to code, but want to be in a space where some dude doesn't, you know, bang on your hotel door in the middle of the night. Some dude doesn't like tell you he wants to choke you out. <laughs> you know, it, it, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with these conferences. I want a safe space. I want a space where women can be and like hang out and feel safe and where we can make technology together and talk about issues in tech and culture that bother us, issues in games and games cultures that really bother us. And also learn to code in a place where some dude isn't going to be like, don't you know, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> seriously, that bro can just like walk off a bridge. Uh, <laughs> and I was just really ready for a safe space. So I made one um, and I had no idea that what was going to happen with that organization or the women who participated in it was going to happen. It was just me and my mates. Um, and it still is to large part, just me and my friends. Uh, and I've, I've not been teaching as much um, that way. The last years I've had a lot in my life going on, but we are about to launch a huge four week, 16 hours of content on FutureLearn for our first online course. And it's free for the first year. And I'm very excited about that. That's amazing. So people, yeah, I know. I wanna open a Slack or a Discord for it. I need to make up my mind, which and make it so, you know, if you want to be able to make games and you want to not have to watch a bunch of YouTube tutorials by bros, there's a place you can go for that. <laughs> I mean, I are, I, I'm gonna sign up because that's, that's kind of what I need right now too. Oh. You know, you're like Google, Blender tutorial, uh, Bezier Curves, 90 tutorials, all young boys between 16 and 25. <laughs> And you're like, man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to this 16-year-old explain life skills to me. <laughs> I think, I think, given the two options you've just put in front of me, I know which one I'm gonna pick, and it's not the 92 videos <laughs> having to troll through them. But you know, it's 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 been kind of an experience and. My experience of kind of being a self-taught uh, game dev has really kind of motivated me to start making more online content. So it took about a year to make that much online content with my team. It was an effort. I'm super grateful. UAL paid for it, which thank you. Uh, and I'm really pleased they did because it cost a lot of money to produce yeah. that much content professionally, it turns out. so. Yeah, and I ended up at UAL uh, just because I had a friend who worked there and one thing led to another. You know how that always happens. Yeah. Um, so that's how I ended up doing all these things. Uh, for me, it doesn't feel like so much. I wish I had more time for CodeLib um, yeah. and more time for my art practice. I hate I have a job that I have to make money at, but you know, we get to all eat and I like teaching and people, you know, helping people feels good. So it, it's better than like schlucking into work at Google or something. But, you know, working Google's also okay. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just glad I don't have to do it right now. <laughs> so, like, that's just, um, I guess, kind of a lot to, I can see, like, why that drove you to make the stuff that you do. And to, I'm so excited with this project that you're building. Um, yeah, thanks. Is it also, because, like, all of your art, you said, is about, like, bringing people together and having that kind of, like, for me, is a really tactile experience. 
like being in like yep. a, and, and for me it was like it was being in a really warm safe space with like like beautiful colorful clouds and lovely sounds is like is that also part of what's kind of fed into your practice yeah very much so like i i got really tired of being in game worlds that were super aggressive mm. and hostile and intense and i personally don't like playing those kinds of games and i kept finding myself in like weird wormholes where i would like dive down into a narrative text adventure made in twine for seven hours you know uh, <laughs> and i'm like whoa <laughs> what have i done <laughs> um but i i just didn't play regular video games and i didn't feel a calling to that and i just wanted to make games that gave people other opportunities to maybe not exist in that that space that's super like shoot you in the face bro um <laughs> yeah so that was like a big inspiration another inspiration was i played a lot of games as a kid i was like a avid video game player and i think i was raised on the school of atari which like is amazing and i still you know atari, atari also i've spoken to women who worked at atari and their experience was a hellscape total mm -hmm. trash fire as you would expect um but apparently they had a group of of badass women inside atari which is you know good to know about yes. <laughs> um that said i i I think Atari had it right. Like, I think their approach to technology, they, they were really a fearful company, but that approach of like these very, like almost wholesome, like gentle, fun games that didn't have, they but almost by necessity were not ridiculous, you know? Um, and I really, I like DT, you know, people bag on that game, but I loved it. <laughs> I played it for hours. I get stuck in that hole and I'm like, do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and I've always I've always found experiences like this just like really enjoyable like enjoyable um, and I really was interested in continuing to make games but then I ended up I have a disability I was born with but it really surfaced majorly I had an injury in my early 20s and then it it rose up it was like a dormant thing in my mm. body that had kind of been there and like you know, I remember being like 12 years old, laying on the bed and being like, <laughs> and not knowing like why the hell that was happening and I couldn't breathe. Um, but like other than like weird experiences that were happening like, here and there, uh, it took my body getting like a kind of trauma. Like I ended up with a really bad case of carpal tunnel from coding for years. And uh, then I just, it surfaced and it, it came out and I couldn't play video games anymore. Mm -hmm. I still can't hold a controller. Like I was so excited for Animal Crossing. I'm like, yeah, maybe this this one will this one will work. I buy it. And I'm like, Fuck. oh no. <laughs> um, so I've not been able to play Animal Crossing. That that controller's mad inaccessible. Mm. And I I just wanted to make games that you didn't have to hold a controller for. <laughs> I wanted to make games that were embodied, lived experiences in the world that let people experience their bodies and the encounters they have with other people in spaces that don't involve tons of alcohol and tons of stress. And there, we just don't have enough opportunities for like ludic, playful spaces and culture. And I think fine art does that, but it never does it in a way that people feel like, you know, art can feel really challenging. I, I really like Oliver Eliasson because he manages to create these kinds of safe spaces every now and again, but very few artists do. And I was like, I want, I want like a safe, chill beautiful environment where people hang out and like cuddle and chat and i'm into that so uh <laughs> i've made a bunch of that kind of thing and it's what i'm probably going to continue making because i find people coming in and spending you know an hour on the floor staring at the ceiling is not the kind of behavior they're normally allowed to have in public and i really like empowering that I guess, um, can you describe your favorite work so for people who haven't ever seen one of the things that you've made? Oh, okay. I mean, I think my favorite thing is Forest Daydream right now, so, which is amazing. I loved it so um, much. It, it has been a really long process, and I really want anyone out here who funds women in games to hear me right now. Fund projects for the duration 
-hmm. because iteration is really important. And this game has had different support levels at different points in time. So like I originally got supported with Harvestworks and I knew I wanted to build a big interactive forest. And we prototyped out one tree and like one hangy star cloud thing. And I made this project with Adele Lynn um, and Fede Fache and also now Robin Baumgarten has joined and Bing Kelly who did the audio. And Adele and I, we knew we wanted to create this social space and her work is also a lot about creating the same kind of space as mine work is about. So we got like a little small chunk. I think it was like three or $5,000 from Privacy Works. And I gave the like easily the most pompous presentation ever. Um, less less them uh, <laughs> and you know I showed one half-ass made tree and I was like here's my half-ass made tree barely works Woo <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the tree but I really love the form of it but we hadn't got the top right I'd used like there was one tree at welcome that had this it was clear it was clear and you could see into it that was my favorite um, tree it looked like that <laughs> Um, I was always so excited yeah, it, when, like, when, like, because, like, um, because, like, the color changed from different trees, and you had to go and like hit the one that was a different yeah, color, yeah. and just keep uh -huh. running around the room or calmly walking, yeah. however skipping. Um, but when I yeah. got to that tree, it was, it was awesome. the most exciting because it was just so pretty. Yeah, yeah, that one is like it is really pretty, but it's hard to convey information with. Yeah, I can see. So that. we. You notice how like we use some of the white triangles on it still, and that was because the clear see-through triangles, triangles, unless it's pitch black dark, you really can't see. Oh. And then, yeah, and the music I used for it first, like my friend David last made, and David's an amazing musician, but he's also like a dance floor, like he's one of the dance floor killers. Like, you know, it's just like you throw him on if you want people on the dance floor. And it, it was the wrong vibe because it was a lot of like thumpa thumpa thumpa. So that's that's um, not what I remember. I remember walking into like it was yeah, a dark not room like that anymore. with colorful like floating clouds yeah, that were changing totally, colors. Totally, totally, totally. Really like relaxing music. There were like um, yeah. kids with these like foam circle things. Yeah, yeah. And, Like tossing yeah. them back and forth and like sitting on them. Yeah, um, yeah. It almost felt too right. playful. Like I was like, oh, because like, there's the kids there. I was like, oh, am I allowed to play? <laughs> like, I don't, I, of course. Like, but it was and like there's like lots of like just like colorful changing lights mm. and all these little trees around, like things yeah. to press. I know it just took iteration. We showed it again. Uh, Thorsten from Amaze gave me some some support. He spent some money. Uh, he paid for a lot of the materials. So I'm still like the dome yeah. that Thorsten bought that essentially because um, he paid us an artist fee. So a lot of the money that got sunk into Forest Daydream is thanks via Thorsten and Amaze, um, which thank you, Thorsten. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, it totally. It was just so cool to see. Um... Yeah. But Thorsten moved us outside at the ninth hour. And I had not planned for that. So I had originally put Forest Daydream was made with all capacitive touch. And none of it worked because outside, guess what happens to capacitive sensors? I Moisture in the air. Sick. Moisture in the air. <laughs> so they kind of work first thing in the morning, but like evening, meh, gone. Oh, so no. like nothing worked by the time anybody showed up. Everything was dead. And it was super stressful. So, um, so stressful. Yeah, so super stressful. So uh, it got boxed in my attic for five years while I've tried to find another place to, with enough space yeah. to let me iterate it. And then thanks to Holly Gramazio, who also has just hooked me up throughout my career and I'm so thankful for her, but Holly suggested me to the Welcome Collection for that show and uh, Welcome contacted me and they had a bit of a budget. And I was like you know what I'm gonna do I need and they're like how much space do you need I'm like a lot of space as much as possible <laughs> the bigger the better I can uh, fill it I promise <laughs> exactly <laughs> so they gave me that giant big black box yeah. and I was like um, and uh, they had a professional uh, lighting rig up top and a professional sound system which made all the difference in the world and then I 
realized I was like, look, I'm going to need some help if I'm going to pull this off in two weeks. Two and weeks. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> so I like write Fed A and I'm like, will you help me? <laughs> and he's like, you're crazy, but sure. And then I write Robin and I'm like, I got this thing. You want to you wanna come in? And he's like, okay. <laughs> Everyone assemble right now. Everyone. Two uh, weeks to know, so, Oh my God, totally. So it was totally, um, you know, Voltron assemble situation. <laughs> and, you know, I Fede had, he wrote uh, 80% of the Unity stuff. Uh, and he got like, you know, 60% done. And the night before he's like, I got some other thing. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going dancing. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> he's like, you and your crunch can go out. Yeah, you can go. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. So he shows up like, you know, the morning, the next morning, and he like wraps the coat in the museum. <laughs> I'm like, I love you. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm looking at him like, how was the party? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was very good. <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> totally. Oh, but he's like, I will not have stress in my life. Fair. <laughs> Fair. He wasn't really paid, so. <laughs> I, I, I can't um, fault that. Like, But I can imagine no. that was stressful for you. Oh, totally. But yeah, he helped me out, you yeah. know, and he really loved working on it. I think he got a lot out of working on the experience, too. And he contributed a lot to the game design. Mm. The game design was actually a conversation between me and Fede. Oh, really? Um, and that's like, yeah, yeah, that was actually, I think, his biggest his biggest contribution. The code helped. But, you know, I was able to jump in and write a, a bit of it, too, at the end. Yeah. And just having him to have conversation with, he's so good to talk to about um you know game design and stuff so he just was really awesome so he had a lot of really good game design ideas uh for it so huge props to him for that he helped me put in a actual functional game so i had always had the kind of open-ended world space mm. that was super ludic but he helped me put the, you know, the structured experience with the trees inside of it was his idea. Oh, really? Yep, that was a fede. Uh, so yeah, he was he was super uh, super useful and super wonderful to work with. And then I also collaborated with my MSC students, so they came and kicked in a lot to the aesthetic, like a lot, a lot. Um, Anna, one of my students, she's amazing. She designed the colors of the dome, which I thought were super beautiful. They were very beautiful. And she also designed the buttons. The clouds got fabricated by two more of my students, Eileen and Weishuan. They worked on those, which was great. Mark is another one of my students, and Stuart and Alexi and so many of them. Um, Moritz, they, they all just stayed there. They worked uh, and worked and worked. Shao Song also another it just they just worked for hours and it was amazing amazing stuff um and yeah they just figured it out the trees were made by two more of my students three two to three depending on uh <laughs> on how it went that you know it was uh Shao Jia and Chong uh Chong and then um I'm trying to remember who else worked on them so many people I know Anna worked on them and then or I'm forgetting a student's name and it's it's really upsetting me. Ah, oh, Lynn, uh, Lynn worked on them. Um, so many you know, people. Uh, it's yeah, yeah, it's not Lynn. Oh geez, I always forget her name because it like rhymes with um uh, Oh I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> uh La is it La it's not La. It's because she she nicknames it, and I see her like full name, and I try to remember her nickname. Ah. It's like you, the way you also nickname. Yes, I had to I had to ask Betty why your your Discord name was that today. I was like Fede, why? <laughs> well, it's like for like me, um, I don't mm -hmm. like most of the other versions of Elizabeth, mm -hmm. and then it got shortened to Ziz one day. I was like, oh, it's perfect. 
And so I've kind of like held on to that for like everything. Just to mostly to stop <laughs> it's people great. giving other nicknames, but that's fair. So yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, UAL, like I have all these great students that are interested in creative coding. They helped tons. Uh, Mark really did an incredible job with the Arduino code. He and Stu stayed up all night working on the radios. Like, I mean, I couldn't have pulled that off that fast on my own. There is just no way. Is there... And then Ben Kelly did them amazing, amazing audio. I remember you mentioning that there was, um, like, because when I was there, you were, like, documenting it. Is there lots of documentation mm-hmm. of what it looked like? Like, if someone tons wanted to documentation. Kinda, like, take a peek? Tons and tons. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, give me a hot sec. Keep talking to me, and I'll make that happen in the background while we chat. How about that? Well, we can get it. We can uh, put that in later because we can send it to uh, Stuart, and he can kind of like cut it into what we were already talking about when we discussed oh, it. Oh, yeah. We can do that for sure. Awesome. I haven't had a – the video hasn't come back yet because I – have kind of, we have someone working on it and I got really heartbroken because I really want an interview with Ben Kelly in Mm. because he's amazing, right? Like that guy is amazing, amazing. And I wanted to make sure we got a chance to interview him because he contributed so Mm. much. But it is definitely not a possible thing right now (laughs) to do. So, well, that's a thing. So I'm going to do something really quick while, oops, sorry, whoops, that didn't happen. You didn't see that. Uh, I'm going to attempt to show you this. So um, this is some of the uh, documentation that we have. Um, oh, it's so, so you can cool. Kind of sense. Yeah. It was so much fun being in that space. It just really had a presence. And I loved the cushions. They were idea that I had kind of from another thing that I'd worked on. And I was like, I want I want something that they can just stack and build and throw and toss and roll around on. And they, they were really awesome. And the kids loved them. And they proved in- immensely popular with the children. As you can see, they configurate, you know, the, every configuration happened. And then people just laid in the space and cuddled, which I thought was amazing. That was so good. Uh, yeah, and kids. Just, I remember the wrestling. Know, it became that like, happened at one point. It was like it was like this the strangest wrestling ring I have ever seen. <laughs> that also tracks. <laughs> um, yeah, you know there it, there were moments it was like this, and there were moments of just sheer manic wildness, uh, an unbridled child delight. Um, which I would say was, you know, it was an experience to build something that is this, like, I don't know, tactile and also a child trap. Yeah. Just a giant child trap. <laughs> I remember watching there was this, this, this little boy mm-hmm. just running around trying to get everyone else to play the game with the trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just with, like, whatever a new kid showed up, he'd, like, come on, come on, you have to, like, do this. And they'd have no idea who, like, they had never met. And then, and it was just, like, really cute to see them, like, on, like, the different sides of the room going, oh, look, mm-hmm. that one's pink. Go and, t- go and get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what else was really cool is that design patterns emerged and they, many folk games emerged at the beginning of each day and they persisted throughout the whole day. Really? Can you tell me more about them? Okay, day one, uh, it was only up for two days, which seems wrong and heartbreaking in my mind uh, because it should have been up for a month, but uh, was the leapfrog game. So the first day that I don't think you were there, it was all about leaping. All the cushions, the floor was lava. It was the floor was lava day. And they just spread the cushions out further and further trying to avoid the floor. This went on all day, four hours. The next day... Yeah, the next day was the stacking, wrestling, throwing, riding, hopping, pulling day. Okay. So that was the day you saw where there was just like wild amounts of cushion rolling. Like back, there was a lot of like, you know, they would roll the cushions. Like cheese rolling, but in this little like, in this dome of light. Yeah, totally. Cheese dome. Cheese rolling in a dome of light is about accurate. Uh, <laughs> and there was also like they'd stack them up and then dive onto the floor, which I was I was worried the first few times. 
And adults used them like head cushions. I gotta say, we got those cushions out of Welcome Collection, and I actually think they should be hosed with fire. Uh <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely saw a couple of kids gnawing on them, so I probably wouldn't. We want. there were so many gnaw bites. Right. I hadn't seen that during the installation. It was a non-toxic. I made sure to get like really non-toxic, yeah. you know, eco-friendly foam. I, I paid more for it to be able to, you know, throw it out and like it'll biodegrade and it's not shitty. Yeah. The gnaw marks totally threw me. <laughs> I was like, well, this is the first time they've tried to eat the installation. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and it's not even like something standard edible like it was it's foam foam i'm gonna i wonder if the color did something because you know the how texture. they were so I, I, I could see it's like yeah. that like that floral foam Spongy. that you kind of want to like squish yeah, yeah. oh man <laughs> no it was all uh it was so funny because it was actually it was all reclaimed foam so it was like fully recycled um I, yeah i i could not they're like nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so phoenix can you tell me about like one of the greatest risks to your games a aka people eating your installation <laughs> well um. you know there's that uh i've decided that there are three forces of destruction okay. in the universe and they go in this order okay. squirrels they're really destructive mm -hmm. squirrels will destroy anything this is true. Children. Children are a nightmare. The most dangerous and destructive <laughs> force in the universe. Except for... Drunk Steve. hipsters. Drunk hipsters. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I have to design for all three of these use cases, depending on what I'm making and where. Okay, fair. So I was going to say, how, to, many, how many games have you made for squirrels? But I guess if it's outdoors, you basically have made it for squirrels. Yes, I've made it for squirrels. <laughs> There's nobody there. You come in, a piece of your art smells like squirrel pee. You know why. Uh <laughs> Has this actually happened? Yes. <laughs> my life. My life. Um, you know. Uh, so things of making. So, and then children will, you know, the LED strip that went around the dome. Mm -hmm. I saw a little, little baby, little baby crawl over. Just take the strip, pull it out, and go, hey, and I'm like, ah! No! Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea you could remove the strip, you toddler. <laughs> so, you know, this kid tries to stick this, like, you know, unshielded LED strip in his mouth. I mean, he wouldn't have been that hurt. Like, even if he had done it, it would have been like a light... You know, it's very low voltage, but still, do not put. You see, you probably didn't want like that to have like child slobber on it anyway, so it wasn't. The, I'm more like, worried about the kid getting electrocuted, but yeah, you know, I mean, and then oh dear, the other first day of my show at Now Play This, a kid walked over and took my installation and pulled the face off. Um. And then, yeah, drug hamsters, man. They'll just throw those controllers on the floor. Uh <laughs> At least, the, I guess, the kids are doing something creative with it, maybe. Or trying yeah, to, like, interact yeah. with it. I mean, I don't think you can get, you can interact much more fully than eating the installation. So, there you yeah, go. That's that, that's it. Like, but, yeah, the Highest form of flattery. I, Has it tr have they tried to eat it? Have they? They definitely licked it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my last game, the number of times I've seen children lick, lick those bots is countless. Oh. They'll lick those bots. Um, but yeah, letting 3000, I made another game that was all about holding hands mm -hmm. and all about getting people to hold hands in groups. And I let about 3000 people touch me in about a year. That was probably the most risky thing I've ever made. Um, three days of just every three minutes, another group of people physically touching me at GDC. Mm. That, that was a moment. Yeah. Like I, at the end of that, I felt like somebody had pulled my, like my soul had been siphoned out of my body <laughs> and I was so tired. Um, I, I can imagine that sounds exhausting. Yeah. But it's also terrifying. Yeah. Like, you know, you just gotta be like, do you want to hold my hand to like a bunch of strangers? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. 
So, like, that was the first time I showed bot party was really terrifying. Mm. Uh, Because I had no idea, like, if people would do that, you know? Yeah. Um, Like, what have been the reactions to your work? They they vary. Um, I've had people scream in anger at me. Really? Um, oh yeah, I've had people scream in anger. Um, particularly ones that are coming from a background where they think they should know how a piece of a lot of my work doesn't tell you how to play it, mm. right? Like it doesn't come with instructions. It's ludic. It's playful. It's freeform. There are games in there, but you kind of have to discover them. And I was doing a playtest at Now Play This. And I won't ever tell you how to do my games. Like, I won't say, you know, I might give you a hint. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're stuck, I might say, follow the pink path or something like that. Like, obtuse or strange. But I won't give you, like, didactic information. Yeah. Uh, and I had given people boxes. And I'd made Bot Party huge. I'd made, like, big cardboard bots. And I just wrapped conductive tape around them and people were playing by like laying on the floor and taking their shoes off and touching each other's feet. You know, it was, it was as rumpus as you would expect. Um, and I had a guy walk in after three small children had totally successfully played and had a blast. He watched them. He could not work out for the life of him how to play the game. And then when he went to play the game himself, he couldn't figure it out. And the game just kept giving him negative feedback mm. because he kept trying to play it in a way that it didn't want to be played. And he was like, tell me how to play it. And I'm like, how do you think it should be played? This is a play test. I'm not here to tell you what to do with the object. You're here as a semi-design participant to like tell me what you think it should do. Why is it failing for you? How do you think it should work? He got so mad at that question. Oh, wow. And I was like, he started screaming at me about like how bad my work was. And he lost his shit. And I guess he was a psychologist. And I thought to myself, man, I w- I'm so glad this guy's not my therapist. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, so screaming in anger, eating it. What are some other? Eating it. Uh, crying. Uh, general like emotional relief. Okay. Um, I had someone play my games once and it was clear to me he had not been physically touched in a long time. Mm. Um, And the emotional outpouring I got from that one player was, I mean, there were no words there, but it was palatable. It was like powerful. And he Mm. played it like seven or eight times throughout the day. And I just thought to myself, this guy needs a hug. Um, And it was, you know, it was really amazing for him to have permission to express that need we all have for physical contact but in a safe space where it wasn't sexualized Mm -hmm. it wasn't dangerous he could just touch somebody on the arm and that was all right you know it was encouraged it was what the game wanted them to do and that was a really powerful moment for me and i he got kind of choked up a couple times and i could see it you know and that like was another one um Another experience I had was with like a child uh, and she loved it, loved it. And it was because her parents played the game by kissing her repeatedly. And (laughs) she came back, she made them bring her back the second day because these reserved British parents were just lavishing their little British kid with affection. And she's like, "Ah, this is the best thing in the world. Uh, and she was like, your game is my favorite game. And I'm like, oh, Aww. yeah. Um, this is, yet. Yeah, I made this for this kid. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure her parents give her tons of love every day. But just the yeah. compressed over 100 kisses in three minutes was exactly what this kid wanted. Aww, uh, that's so adorable. So that was, that was super adorable. I, I had a group of gay boys play by making out. That made my whole week. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Let me tell you, it's been a wild ride. Um, And yeah, I guess those are some of the more striking experiences I've had with the public. Yeah. I had one girl really got, bot parties doing more than just like being this cute, fun thing. It's actually proposing, it's proposing a pattern of cognition. It's proposing a way of being in the world and a way of thinking about the people around us, right? Mm. Um, And it's proposing a very, like, safe, trusting 
experience. And I, I think that's really radical in a space where everything is so hostile yeah. and so toxic. And I, I, I think that, you know, this one girl, she totally got it. She was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. She's like, this is amazing. And I was like, yeah, not everybody gets it. Like, not everybody gets how powerful something like this is mm. in, like, really changing how people think about what play can be, what a game can be, right? Yeah. So I really appreciated that. And she started being like, uh, she's like, you read a lot of these kinds of feminists. And she's like, you're into this kind of thing. And I was like, yep. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Five points to you. <laughs> um so you know i'm i'm proposing a kind of embodiment that is very different than the kind of embodiment we've seen in games until right now so can you yeah, like so i've never i've never experienced bot party oh you've never experienced bot no, party no can you tell me it's like adorable. If, what if i went if i was there what would happen um well it depends i'm going to give you two options okay. do you want to play uh, what did I call the first one? I think I just called it free play mode or little secret typers. Okay. Which one do you want to play? I, I like the name little secret typers. Okay. Little secret ciphers. Uh, you're in a world and there are three bots and they, they've realized the, that the HI, the human intelligence is totally broken down. And it no longer works. So they, they have dressed up like humans to try and convince you to learn how to communicate again. So they're trying to tr retrain you in human communication patterns. <laughs> okay. I so buy it. They get I'm you, ready. They get you uh, to hold hands in different orders in different groups, and they slowly speed up the rate of data transfer in their network because uh, they're secretly using you to send data across their network. And, uh, yeah, you've been uh, empowered and or... Uh, tricked into you know <laughs> working for these little bots and uh, you just sort of like touch person one or person two or everybody in the group holds hands and it just gets more and more manic it's basically like Simon says with human bodies and speed <laughs> uh, <laughs> amazing so yeah it's pretty ridiculous we called it a touch touch revolution when Charlie and Paige and I made it together and she and I were thinking, like, what are we going to call this game? And Charlie's like, well, it's kind of like Dance Dance Revolution, but it's like Touch Touch Revolution. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Perfect. Ship it. That's, that's, that's a great title. Oh. I know. So uh, Touch Touch Revolution. Uh, that, but we call it Little Secret Ciphers. Yeah. And then the free play mode I made with Frida Abtan. And it's just this wild, like, strange music landscape that you can play by like just twisting these bots and moving them in space yeah. and uh it's got like sounds embedded like different touch mechanics uh if you twist it one way it does one thing if you twist it another it does another uh there's a lot of that kind of thing so it's got accelerometers in it so it knows how fast or slow you're moving oh, cool so we we match the music to that um uh, and yeah it's 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 cool so there's a lot of like just weird free play that happens with that mode some people love that mode like some people that's the only mode in the game so so i could i could yeah, see really enjoying that um mm -hmm. it feels very like it reminds me a bit of like the kind of stuff i did at kind of at, like the dance universities working with like bits of tech mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. oh, haven't done that kind of stuff in a while i guess like it's awesome though so like everything obviously is different now. So something like Touch Touch mm -hmm. Revolution isn't <laughs> isn't necessarily possible. Have you had like it's entirely fine if not because I haven't had a chance to really think of anything yet. But have you had a chance to think about what you would want to make yeah. for right now? Yeah, I mean it's a moment. Yeah. Like it's definitely a moment. I think maybe the kind of work I'm making is more important not less yeah um because people are going to be worse about human contact it's going to become more dramatically yeah. segregated right and children play like this with their bodies all the time it's how they learn it's how they perceive the world and cutting that off from ourselves is particularly really dangerous yeah. because human touch like 
It increases all of our dopamine levels. It makes us happy. It is the, the like cue to positive human interaction and behavior. So like if we strip that out of our society, we're going to be in a really uncharted territory. Yeah. And I just have to think that, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really, I'm very, I'm very, I wouldn't run bot party right now if you paid me a million dollars, you know? Yeah. Um, Forest Daydream, I think, is it's open enough people could social distance in it mm. easily. Um, like if you had, yeah. ignoring funding, let's, let's put that to the side yeah. for the moment. Like, what kind of experience... Would I would you want build to make a, for yourself and for like your friends oh, right now? Just a big open room with relaxing music mm -hmm. and like calming tones with different levels of engagement, like mapped through the experience where people could just sort of cluster in small, like, you know, maybe like little mushroom like congregations. Um, and just be together in small spaces. Um, that sounds delightful. Maybe a lot of, a lot of little domes. I could see the dome like eighty times in like a big field of light. Yeah, you know, um, that would make me really happy. And just all of them making sound and making a giant interactive sound space that you moved through. I think that would make me really happy. Like a whole field of domes making noise. Yeah, I just yeah, I was imagining like taking over a huge field. And then I remembered the squirrels, but that's still okay. <laughs> yeah, squirrels they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Um, uh, and just like <laughs> squirrel gonna squirrel. Having <laughs> cause just yeah, just being outside and having like how do I move through a space and having that space become yeah. playful sounds like that would be really helpful. Yeah, I think it'd be really therapeutic. A ton of uh, a ton of trees, yeah. a bunch of domes, a lot of natural tones to bring us back to ourselves. Yeah. Um, we need like you know ways to be in space with each other now, and like we need to rebuild that trust. So I would try and make you know make it so you could totally socially distance in it. Mm -hmm. uh, but also make it so like you can have an experience with people still. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the sky was the limit. I would want to take over something like, you know, half an acre or an acre of land and just blow it up. That sounds, that'd be that sounds so like, yeah, delightful, I think is the right word for me right now. Like, yeah. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. Let people camp there for a few days and just like, bring themselves back to themselves yeah. i'd be into that yeah oh that just sounds so delightful oh yeah i would i would totally want to camp in that space and just like kind of slowly be able to like see more people just at a distance but like not see people all stressed mm-hmm oh like that, that, that would be really nice yeah not having to buy anything you know mm -hmm. Not freaked out because I need a roll of toilet paper. N not a mission, just uh, an experience. Yeah. yeah, I would build something like that, I think. I guess I kind of just want to, like, that seems like a really nice place to, to leave it at, but I've gone through most of the questions that I want to talk about. Is there anything else that you wanted, like, that you would love to be able to talk about? Mm. I mean, we can always have another one of these chat sessions. I mean, my hope is at some point you can teach me how to make the things that you make. Um, Easy. I'd love to do that. That'd be super, super fun. Oh, I, I, you missed a cameo. There was a cameo in the room. Oh, no. Cameo times. Cameo times. I, I, I can still see the, um, the dome. Oh, you can still just see the dome? Hold on. How about now? Still the dome. <laughs> Still the dome. Oh no! Let me. Uh, I'll give you. Yeah. Okay. Maybe cameos uh, I don't later. Understand. Cameos later. Cameos later. Yeah. Apparently, it's all just the dome. All right. Well, 
on that note of the dome being the dome, I, I guess, uh, oh, this is so cute. I have to fix it for you. I, I can't leave your day on this kind of situation. So let's just go for, let's try this. Anything? Okay. No, not even a dome. How about this? All right. Are you back? Still the dome. Still the dome. Well, let's, no, let's, no. let's sign off and then we'll, we'll, right. we'll fix the cat situation. <laughs> that sounds good. Oh, she's so cute. I feel, I feel bad for all of you out there in the world, not seeing the adorableness, which is this cat. All right. I mean, okay, since you're still so... recording your video, all of you get to see the cat that I sadly don't get to see. I'm going to describe her to you. Okay. She loves human contact. She's soft. She's gray. She smells like maple syrup and pee. <laughs> the last one you lost me on, but it's, <laughs> the cat's still great. She's got that odor of like, you know, that cats have. It's like half feral animal body smell and half sweetness, like Aww. baby head. Yeah, she's half and half. She's also old. Oh. She's very, very old. All right. But yeah, um, I think that's, yeah, I think that, that's us for today. I've really enjoyed chatting to you about this and I can't wait to chat to you more in the future and hopefully learn awesome. how to make these things. That'd be super fun and I'm down to teach you. Great. But yeah, well, until next time, this has been Game Dev London. I'm Ziz and... I'm Phoenix Perry. Yay. All right. <laughs> Bye.